0: This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade you love these games and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets you want to see the side art you want to feel the controls and you want to hear in excess on the stereo but maybe you've got kids or you coach a young team who have never been to a real arcade all they know about gaming is sitting on a couch holding a controller not the same thing at all so if they've got a party coming up or something to celebrate why not have it at a real arcade get those little gamers off the couch and give them a new sensation at the underground retro 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. Join with Bagan to defeat the menace, Varga. Save the planet Earth.
1: Welcome to No Quarter with your hosts, Michael McGinnis. Carrington Carrington and funded by a grant from Darlington Electronic Instruments. Are we funded by a grant? Well, we're not, but we're... Is it a guy named Grant? Not even that. No, I was... I just watched one of my favorite movies recently, Real Genius, and that's kind of one uh, of...
0: Oh, okay. I, I tweeted, I Twittered, as the kids say, about Real Genius today.
1: I don't want your tweets.
0: They are making a reboot. NBC is rebooting it as a sitcom, and it's being produced by Adam Sandler. Have I ruined your day yet?
1: Um, so they're calling it real genius, but it's not at, not at all. Is that what uh, I don't know. It's real name?
0: disappointing because I agree. One of the best movies ever. It is untouchably wonderful,
1: and I am very disappointed that anybody's going Do to
0: touch it. Do not touch my real genius.
1: Yeah, I was. I was kind of. I had, had the lines from that that scene uh, where he's where he's doing the PBS show and running through my head and. Uh, I was trying to pull that off as the intro. It didn't work very well, but uh, it sort of ends up with that. Uh, tonight we'll take a look at something most of us take for granted: the colon. What does it look like? And <laughs> I just kept hearing in my head, "We'll take a look at something that most of us take for granted." Big as battle, because it's a piece of poo that fell out of somebody's colon. Do
0: people take it for granted?
1: Uh, I don't know. I sure hope not.
0: It's not. We're not, folks. We missed last week, and we've come back not with a good game <laughs> to discuss.
1: I think we only came back to do the show because we knew that it wasn't going to go away until we talked about it.
0: <laughs> exactly. If we don't discuss this game, we can't play a new game. Um, and yeah. it was worse because,
1: oh. because like having the week off just ended, ended up with us having an extra week with Bega's Battle. Not that I went back to it. But. <laughs> well,
0: to be honest, I didn't play it this week at all. <laughs> I played it last week. I'm like, I'm not playing this again.
1: <laughs> oh, what a terrible game. But first...
0: Feedback. Feedback. Well, we got some feedback. Uh, most of this is a week old because I'm on a new computer as of a few days ago, and I haven't even installed email on it. <laughs> in fact, I was, the last half an hour was a mad scramble to install audio recording software. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, right. I have to be able to podcast. So uh, hopefully I'm recording my side of this. We will see. Uh, different mic, different everything. So I don't know. I have no pop shield. I'm trying I'm desperately not, not to pop. Um, I haven't been on Facebook in... Four months. <laughs> so I've only got the email <laughs> stuff from a week ago. But here's what email I had to say. First from our fellow podcaster Kevin Savitz, and writer and all that, everybody knows Kevin. He writes, Boys, have you seen this yet? And he gave us a link to something called Video Games, a public perspective. And the description for it is Arcades and Video Games Corrupting Our Youth. This vintage nineteen eighty two Atari funded production tries to quell fears by having various publish public officials, clergy, Mom and Pops tell how arcades are cool. Great period piece with shots of vintage computer <laughs> gear, arcades, Atari labs, university game research, 80s hair, wide ties, and leisure suits. Wow. Have you Have you watched it? It's awesome.
1: I, I haven't had the chance to yet, but I assume that, that because it was from Kevin, that it was awesome because everything that comes from Kevin is awesome.
0: It's one of those things where it's great
1: to see the period stuff and great
0: to see the shots of the actual arcades. That's super fun. In this, they interview a whole bunch of different people in the movie, and they introduce them, but just in audio so they 'll say what their what their title is and what their name is, but they don 't put one of those little tags on screen to to say so you can read their name. you just have to go by audio and sometimes because it 's an old like vhs copy it's it 's a little crafty it 's a little hard to hear, but as far as I can tell this guy 's name is psychologist Gary Seamonster. <laughs> you know? So it's awesome. He's the best reason to watch. Just watch it for Mister C Monster.
1: Like a uh, Doctor Spock, exactly.
0: <laughs> so anyway, I loved it. It was it was fantastic. So Kevin, thank you very much for the link. We will, <laughs> I think, in turn, let's throw up a link to Savitz Publishing, which is which is Kevin Savitz Media Empire, so and we'll it's really that.
1: full of actually good, cool stuff. Not exactly not like the stuff that you you find at our site, but real good
0: stuff. <laughs> exactly, we'll, we'll send you off to better sites. <laughs> Come to our show notes and we'll send you elsewhere. <laughs> um, let's see. What else did we get? Quinn, also a fellow podcaster. You might know her. You might, in fact, mm-hmm. podcast with her. Um, Quinn says, hey, gents. Boy, we can call boys. We can call gents. Everyone's so nice to us. Just call her Q she says in case you haven't seen this big news in MAME a very sharp young fellow has managed to dump the internal ROM of the elusive NMK004 sound chip many thought this would require x-ray analysis of the die or chip decapping which is why so many NMK games have little or no sound in MAME the basic story is that he found a weakness in the external ROM of the same chip it had an unprotected pointer used to tell the chip which sound data to play the internal ROM is in the same address space so he was able to trick the chip into playing its own internal rom out as sound data he recorded this to his pc (laughs) wrote some code to analyze the waveform of the audio to deduce what the original data was and boom dumped this is an epic hack and deserves recognition. I'm linking to part yeah. two of his write-up as it's the easiest to read summary of the story. There are five parts in total, and he goes into more detail if anyone's interested. I thought it was fascinating. I read it. Epic hack, hack is right. Uh, this was this was amazing. Like just so such a cool way to to get this code. Love
1: yeah, it. Yeah, that is that is outstanding. And it, it reminds you of those <clears throat> those you see it every now and then. Um, you know where like somebody spends thousands and thousands of dollars to to secure the door and and um with locks and, and time codes and this and that and they've forgotten that there's just a piece of plaster wall you know next to it that you can punch through and walk around and-
0: yeah but just it's, it's such a, of- great thinking you know hey play out the data this, oh, yeah. the sound ah oh, the fan ah oh, love it love it That's great um sean wrote in to say hi guys so now we've been called guys hi, sean. <laughs> inspired by your review of bank panic i decided to give it a try and i'm still playing this is an awesome game sorry mike my score so far is you, 231,600. Your podcast is excellent. I look forward to it every week. Sean is clearly kicking our butts because that score is insane. I just want—I really wanted to read his email because he liked the game, and I agree. It's good. So. <laughs> um, okay, let's do one more. Brian, he sent us a thing on Twitter because I, I also look at Twitter. I might not go to Facebook, but I do go to Twitter. Twitter is Twitter's easier. <laughs> we'll hold. He says, Fire Twitter. This retro arcade movie mashup will bring back oh will bring you back to your youth and that 's actually the title of the huffington post article i 'm not a massive fan of Huffington post, but really it 's kind of like an article, but really it 's just this person has put together um, clips from movies that show arcades and these are like retro movies movies from the 70s and 80s that and it's the scenes that take place in arcades and it's awesome so uh i just it's fun to watch that and like pick out the games it's fun to watch and pick out what films you recognize and all that so i I really just enjoyed it so i want to throw the link into our show notes neat that's all i got i I mean i'm sure we got more but i again i have no email on this computer (laughs) (laughs) so that's what you get
1: yeah, well, we'll dig through it next week when, when I'm in a better mood, having played a better game than this. Well, see, having, having little feedback means we get to get to Vega's battle even quicker.
0: Beware, the power of Varga lives to destroy Earth. But now there is a being more powerful than Varga, Vega, more machine than
1: man, born to fight to save the human race with the goddess Luna at his side. Earthlings endowed with superhuman powers by Luna join the battle.
0: But first, Vega must find all of the nine images of Luna in this laser fantasy, and then Vega's battle begins. You picked this game.
1: Oh. <laughs> We—I um, I forget which listener suggested this, but whoever you are, you've earned yourself a triple lifetime ban. I think I
0: think they do it on purpose. I swear, our listeners just—they punk us and they pick these yeah. games and say, hi let's make them play this for a week."
1: I have, I have often. Cut Data East some slack over the couple of years that we've done this for putting out. Yes, they put out crap Apple II games, but oh, this arcade game is good, and this one's not is is better. But that's all gone. All of my goodwill for for Data East has been erased. That company sucks. This game sucks. I hate it all. We do a lot of Data East games lately. We got like we do. Yeah. We got to get some I'd...
0: Williams stuff up in this house, man. Well,
1: yeah. and, well those games are actually hard.
0: Well, true. Uh,
1: I yeah. Well, you know, I, I enjoyed a lot of Data East games. Yeah, the one that's in my head right now is um, uh, Karate Champ. Uh, I liked Yeah, Robocop. that was good. Uh, Karate Champ was, was really there's, good. There's a bunch of them, and this is just not one of those games. This is a, a LaserDisc game that was released in 1983, and I we've talked about— I think it was
0: about... their first. I think it's the first Data East Laser LaserDisc game, as far I, as I know, I tell. think you're right. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think you're right. It's in July of 1983, and it's—so we've talked— there seem to be kind of there's two types of laserdisc games. There's the ones that are bad totally, and really bad. Uh, well, there's that, but there's the animated story where you're playing a character in the story and you're moving through and like things change, right? Space Ace and the Dragons Lair and things like that. Uh, and then there's games like Firefox and and um, uh, a few others where they use the uh, uh, they use standard arcade graphics for the actual game interaction and then then the laser disc scenes from the laser disc play and sort of paint the background and um I don't think it ever really worked all that well in any case when they did that. But this is probably one of the worst examples of that.
0: Yeah, I can't think of a single time where that's the technique and I end up liking it. Like inevitably it becomes just turn off the laser disc part and play the game. And usually it's an excuse to have a crappy game. And they go, well, we can spice it up by throwing these movies that basically play behind the scenes. And it just – and that's the case here you've got like a neat sort of anime and i guess all this comes from an anime called Armageddon, the the great battle with genma so um and that's out yeah. just as a dvd and so a lot of times it's just like i would rather watch the movie <laughs> just watch the movie instead and so basically it's like somebody is playing an anime behind your game and you've got this really crappy galaxian game playing in the front of it i guess it's just
1: yeah, yeah not I, a fun game all I thought, all I found myself wanting to do as I was playing the game was to find this anime and watch it because the cartoons actually look fun and interesting and kind of epic in the way the Japanese anime is and the game was just so terrible well and- I got excited
0: because during even the attract screen of this it shows a bunch of the the anime stuff and it looked really cool and one of them is this scene of this guy's the like, face melting off and that's the attract <laughs> screen I was like okay this is gonna be awesome but then that's not the game like that's just bits that play behind the scenes the actual game like I said is like this Galaga-ish kind of, kind of like Galaga but more just like you know you're on the bottom shooting and things come at the top of you and not like it's such it's a really generic game now the the movie itself i haven't seen as well but i think i'm going to try to track it down because i i too think it, it looks kind of cool so it's called Armageddon and this is based on that but they seem to have changed a lot of the names like in in there, there was a I guess manga first, it was like a book first, and then the anime, and in those it's Vega with a v, not vega, so it's like it's a spelling mistake in this game or they misheard it or something i'm like you you start off well, by getting the title wrong it seems really weird to me
1: well as i recall so so as you advance through the levels you generally when you move into the next uh phase, a voice from a villain from the 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 manga challenges you and then you kind of talk back and say i'm coming to get you or your character or whatever and the villain kept referring to you or your, to, the, to the to the good guy as Vega, and i couldn't figure that out until i read what, what you were saying and that, that there's a difference there and I, I don't i couldn't find out why i didn't care enough to do any research to find out why but it is different
0: yeah he in the game the bad guy is varga so you're up against varga That's with what a it v, is. and yeah. he's calling you vega although the game's Pretends that you're called Vega. In the anime, and the, the like the manga and the anime, he's called Genma, which is why it's the great battle with Genma. And you're uh, Vega. And you're like this 2,000-year-old robot warrior. And you've been, like, summoned by Princess Luna to defend the <laughs> Earth. And she's like a Transylvanian princess with telepathic powers. And you get helped, I guess, in the movie. Or he gets helped in the movie by these other people and a few of those people appear in the game. So there's like Luna herself and and I guess how in general we'll talk about the game in a second but in general the idea is you're on the bottom as this space suited guy and you're shooting at things that are floating above you and diving at you and also Helpful characters will float down, and you have to touch them to grab them. And when you do that, they link to you and they give you other powers. So the first one is Luna, this this Transylvanian princess, and when you pick her, she you get these better shots. But also having her gives you the ability to have these other people appear. And there's Job and Sony. Although in the manga he's Sonny, but here he's Sony. Mm-hmm. And uh he's the Job guy gives you a shield. So you get like your shield button becomes active when Job connects to you. And Sony gives you what is a warp, this teleportability. That's it. So, um, and I guess there are two of the characters in the manga, but there's a whole bunch of other ones too.
1: Well, and when you describe it to me like that, it sounds like a game that I would want to play. And yet somehow (laughs) it it, it is just the opposite of that. Everything about this game, just like sometimes you have these parts and, 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 Pieces are, you know, you end up with a game that's, that's greater than the sum of its parts. And if you tell somebody about it, they say, well, why on earth would I want to play that? And when they do, it's a life-changing experience. This is sort of the opposite. It's still life-changing. You want to go... Go kill yourself or something. Go back in time. Right, because this is just a terrible, everything about it sounds good, and yet nothing about it is.
0: Well, the, first of all, the sound isn't good. I didn't like this, oh. the game sounds, and I didn't. I really didn't like the voice samples from the movie because they they play so often. in that first level, because I kept getting, dying, I kept going back to the first level, and Princess Luna says, catch me, warrior, catch me. You hear that, like, over and over and over again. <laughs> it was so annoying. I eventually turned off the sound. Like, it's a game that I couldn't listen to. Catch me, warrior! Catch me! Catch me! Catch me, warrior! Catch me! Catch me! Catch me, warrior!
1: Catch me! me. This one suffered from a a problem that a lot of laserdisc games at the time suffered from, and for—and I don't know if it's just because I was annoyed already. But it seemed much worse with this game where you would get the gaps between the tracks on the on the laser disc play as it was switching between as, as it was seeking tracks. Unfortunately, it often would come like in the middle of a sentence or right at the it would cut off right at the end of a sentence. And it just it it kind of made the whole thing feel like a shoddy production, which it was.
0: Yeah. And I didn't like So uh, I didn't like the sprites. I mean, basically, there's not a part of this game, I'm going to say, that I like, to be honest. Like, I really dislike all the elements. But let's talk about those elements. So the sprites, I found, were too big, which is a weird complaint. But when you look at it, it (laughs) makes it look sort of amateurish. Like, your sprite on the bottom, your shooting guy, um, who is like a robot, he's this robot dude, he... It, it, it was like twice the size, two or three times the size of, say, a sprite in Galaga, which is a good size for this kind of screen. And instead it's this huge, tall thing, and it just looked like they were just... I don't know. It, it, it to, to my eye, it looked really bad. It looked amateurish. It was like, "Well, shrink it down or something." It just because he moves kind of weird. When you shoot, your whole body does this glowing lightning thing, which I found very, very distracting. Yeah, um, just and I found that the clipping was was bad. Like you would go and catch people, and sometimes I wouldn't touch them, and it would say I did, or sometimes I I would definitely, and it would say I hadn't caught the character. So that drove me crazy. But mostly it was the, it was the voice stuff. I did not like the voice. Usually when I when I if I watch an anime, I just watch it in the original, say, Japanese track, and I, and I just turn on subtitles. And most anime has, in, to my ear, very bad voice acting <laughs> if, it's, if it's changed over to English. And that was the case here. So I kept wishing they would stop speaking English. Like this In round two, when you're up with, with um, I guess that's, that's, that's Sony, and he's clearly this Japanese guy, but he talks with a bad, fake Irish accent. <laughs> there you go, chum. Bring me in on the team. Got some of them special powers myself! I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) He's totally out of like lucky charms. It is just really distractingly bad.
1: (laughs) The game was developed by Nihon Busan in Japan and and released by Data East Corporation. Uh, the, the character work of the actual anime was done by Kira manga creator. Katsushiro Atomo. I'm sure the Akira fans are going to kill me. Yep.
0: No, if you look at the characters, uh, m- one of my first thought was, "Hey, they kind of look like the Akira people." But I don't know a ton about anime, right? So a lot of things to my eye look like Akira <laughs> characters. But this time, I was right. I'm <laughs> like, "Oh, it is the guy who did Akira."
1: And the music was done by uh, uh, Keith Emerson, of uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. So a lot of uh, a lot of the big creative guns were involved in the the uh, creation of the manga itself. I don't know what happened with. The programming of this game? Me
0: special powers. Uh. <laughs> I got be yeah. special powers. Well the thing is what I didn't like I think my biggest complaint to be honest is like it's a it's a mediocre game. Like the actual gameplay is quite mediocre. It is a not a great looking game with bad sound and bad clipping and just it's dull. It's a, it's all there's I went through I got as far as 5 rounds into it and basically it's just you know round 3 is there's these jellyfish things and round 4 you confront Varga in space and then oh round 5 is when you get the Sony person, that was it. The first one, the Irish guy is the uh the other one Job. Um Anyway, and like they're all basically like the same level over and over again. It, it's, it's not exciting. And the backgrounds were more interesting. So what's happening not in your game is what I wanted to look at because that was more interesting. But since you only see a little bit of that on repeat, it got dull. So it's just, it's a bad combo. And I found as well the backgrounds are so distracting sometimes because it's basically an anime playing behind your, your game. So in round three in particular, when you're doing those shooting the jellyfish things, they shoot these little missiles and I, and I often couldn't see them because the Laserdisc movie playing behind the scenes is so frenetic, it would hide the missiles, making the level harder than it normally would be. So I just I wanted to just turn off the Laserdisc part.
1: Yeah, um, ugly, stupid, annoying, and boring come to mind when i think of this game yeah um and, and i know well, no that,
0: okay but, one, okay i guess i'm trying to think of something good about it one good thing i guess in a sense hmm. is it is technically a branching storyline you do get to make choices every once in a while at the end of a level of which way you're oh, going to well, go so case. kind of like cliffhanger had that like it's so at least that's something they try to but honestly it's such a it's such a non-interesting storyline because you don't get to really follow it like the movie that i i wasn't that interested in it but i guess that's at least one thing about it
1: yeah, I, I feel I feel kind of bad sitting here tearing it apart like this. That I, I'm, well, I'm sure there are fans out there who who love this game and have their reasons for loving it. And, I'd be surprised. Um, Honestly, and, I can't
0: see this being on anybody's like top twenty list. Like, um, no chance. Uh, well,
1: I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> those are big words, but uh, those are um, big words. I, I just I, I don't find a lot of redeeming value in the game. It's you know I guess maybe it's like you said. And its biggest crime is that it's mediocre and and not in not in an interesting what it could have been way there's just nothing here to this now there um, is a
0: thing this um somebody i don't know his name jeff so jeff something runs a site called jeffsromhack.com and he and, and the thing is with biggest battle there's not a lot of info about it you've got to dig deep yeah. Into Google responses to find stuff about it. And I, I, you know, so if you if you search for Vegas Battle, once you get into page 17, 18, 25 on Google, <laughs> you start to see a couple of things that are kind of interesting. And this Jeff's ROM hack.com site has a neat thing. He found a hidden routine in the ROM that plays the game in a demo mode. And I don't mean a tracked mode, the game actually can play itself. So you can launch this code. It plays itself by reading from a list of predetermined moves and it's like it takes over the joystick, although it doesn't actually move it. It's not, sorry, Charlie, (laughs) but it takes over and it actually plays the game. So they've, they've recorded a bunch of moves and it'll, and so it just plays them back. And so it's like somebody playing live and it takes a massive amount of ROM. Like the majority of the ROM is that code, but that code is never actually called anywhere. So he found it. You can do it as an Easter egg, but the game never plays that. Like So it's this huge amount of the code. is completely useless. So somebody spent a ton of time doing that, and it's totally useless. And also he found that the ROM code is monitoring a button that doesn't exist on the cabinet. It monitors a tilt button, and it'll reset the game if the machine gets a tilt. So it's sort of like pinball. and I he said like it's useless I think it was probably them thinking they'd have to protect the laser disc player and maybe if it tilts so far it shuts it down and resets it because of that so that because you've got a spinning disc inside there and maybe that's what the thinking was but that also is like monitored but there is no actual tilt button on the on the actual cabinet
1: hmm that's interesting
0: yeah so at least it's a bit of trivia I got something out of playing this game
1: <laughs> there uh it does have a page on the dragon's lair project which is where all the all of the arcade laser disc games are cataloged, which is a really
0: good site like that is a that is a deep site with tons of info, so we'll definitely link to that they're, but they're great there they really know their stuff about the laser disc games
1: well and even even here, where like you said there's tons of stuff about every game compared to the other games on the site there's just there's not much listed they've got uh, you know the owner's manual and schematics and a few other things like that uh, but there's just not a whole lot here uh, it did i i i found i found the ROM information or the the PCB information, the CPU and stuff like that um, somewhere. And I wrote it down. I don't have it in front of me, but because it's a Laserdisc cabinet, I think it's more, the more important piece is the Laserdisc player that it used, uh, which in this case is the Sony LDP 1000A. And they also have a, a, a DLP has a, an operating instructions sheet and a programming manual for that particular model of of, um, a Laserdisc.
0: Now, that was a big part of their marketing push for this game for Data East. All the flyers really promote it as being a heavy-duty commercial laser displayer. Um, like, on the one flyer, let me hold it up, it says, Vega's uh, Battle utilize, utilizes the only commercial-slash-industrial laser machine in the video game market today. It's designed for heavy play conditions, not just occasional use like some consumer technology-based machines. Vega's Battle gives you reliability for commercial use. So, I mean, it's too bad that they didn't need the reliability, because who's going to play this game longer? <laughs> <laughs> term but so i guess because this coming at in 83 or whatever there it's, it's still the beginning of laser stuff but right away they got a rep for being unreliable so i guess this was data east coming in a little bit later saying hey look um you know a couple mm-hmm. of games already exist the failure point always is the laser disc so they're going with a a, a heavy duty commercial one designed for constant play at least we're not that guy over there yeah, exactly. We're this guy <laughs> over here with our crappy game, but it'll keep running.
1: <laughs> so yeah, and if you if you if you read the Begas Battle uh, Owners Manual, uh, a large portion of it is is uh, the care and maintenance of that laserdisc player itself. So, uh, is there anything at all interesting about the cabinet?
0: Not particularly. I mean, it's pretty colorful as as cabinets go, which is nice, and it has a in the same way that a lot of cabinets at this time, especially the laserdisc ones, have their marquee at the top sort of jut out but it's it's um like a three-sided marquee instead of a, a, a rounded one but at least it does jump out and it's a you know basically a black cabinet but with, with very bright blue and colorful marquee art and bezel art and a control panel control panel is a flight stick so it's a stick with a trigger on it oh that's not how i was playing it and it also has two buttons it's ambidextrous layout so you got the flight stick in the middle and two buttons on on either side and the buttons are for your um a blue one for the barrier for the shield you get and red for the t- teleport the the warp thing that you get later on as well and it's got two yellow buttons up in the corner for the player one and player two but the it's neat that it uses that what i always think of as the tron joystick or the gorf joystick so it uses that one Um, interestingly as far as i can tell this only existed as an upright and although the dip switch settings for the game have a cockpit setting
1: like an environmental
0: environmental, but I don't think that actually got that exists as well. Um and then there's also settings for cocktail, but I don't think that got made. I think this was only made as an upright. Now with with um uh Data East, of course, their big thing was the games that you can swap. You know, they eventually had that cassette thing, and so this is another one like the Flyers always say Yeah, the same flyer, for instance, says Data East built its reputation on interchangeability so you can count on another new interchangeable laser game in January 1984. So they're kind of promising that you'd get this game and when the game stops working or stops drawing money you'll be able to easily swap it for another game that was like data east big push as far as i can tell the game that they came out with next was cobra command um, which can be played in a biggest battle cabinet and you just basically change the disc and and convert some e and i think the cabinet the biggest battle cabinet is pretty rare because the vast majority of them were converted and when you did the conversion you had to send back like all the original guts for Vegas battle. Like it was a major conversion kit, but it came with a return box. So since the majority of these were, they didn't perform well and they got converted over to Cobra command, it's very rare to find an original Vegas battle, you know, with the original PCBs and all of that, because those generally got returned along with when it got converted. So it makes it a rare
1: cabinet to get, although I don't know why you would want it, to, <laughs> be, to be perfectly honest. um. Well, yeah, and I'm reading on arcadehistory.com and they're talking about it. there were only 700 of these made to begin with.
0: Wow, that is uh, rare to start with. And then most of them getting converted. So, yeah, rare, pretty collectible.
1: And then I, I was I read somewhere, and I don't have the note in front of me, but I guess when this came out, they were charging a $1.50 six quarters for this.
0: And that was the thing with Laserdiscs. Yeah, like it was, it become an expensive game. And I never, I, Laserdiscs never hooked me mostly because of that. You'd walk up and they'd want like a dollar to play this game that would kill you immediately. And you had no agency. You never felt like you were really playing the game. You were mostly watching it. Here at least you are playing sort of a, a crappy Galaxian game, but uh-huh. who wants to
1: play a clax, crappy Galaxian game for more than a buck a play? Right. Well, even games like Dragon's Lair, um, they were more expensive, but I, I when I, when I saw them, I would pay like a dollar, dollar twenty-five at most. I, this is—I never saw anything that was a dollar fifty. So this is, you know, there were only seven hundred of them. It doesn't surprise me that it didn't do well. I mean, that and it's a bad game.
0: Yeah, and that's it. Like if you if you went and dumped, you know, six quarters in this to play, then this was the game you got. Because when you watch the track screen, it doesn't really show the game so much. You're you're looking at the bits of the anime. So I think you you would. You probably assume it's a Dragon's Lair type thing, like you're going to play the anime, and then you start playing the game, and instead, it's just like, here's your little sprite. Start doing your pew pews. It's like, oh,
1: <laughs> give me back my money. Yeah, just not good at all. Uh, the the world record um, is that seven. I, <laughs> that I found was set by Steve Harris uh, on July eighteenth, nineteen eighty three. So, like the day the game came out, I guess. That last person to play, um, it. <laughs> <laughs> and he scored one hundred and twenty thousand points.
0: Yeah, that's what I found as well. I, th- I think that is still the standing world record for it.
1: And and that's not something to be proud of, Steve. No, because I did better. No, I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> Whatever. So what about... Well, let's, let's talk scores. Let's wrap this sucker up with some scores. Um, my score ended up being a really round number score, although I did get scores that didn't end in even one hundred. So it is possible sometimes it seems to get 50s and things. But the, my actual high score ended in 100s, and it was 11,200, which got me to, I think, level five. Um, which is as far as I ever got in the game. I got through to level five, and that's that's it. So I'm not even sure if it loops or what have you.
1: Um, I played three or four levels. I didn't didn't write my score down, so I am proudly claiming zero. I think you should. This is. Uh, I'm happy to not have. I will pretend that I didn't get a point that I never played this game. Um, and it's
0: disappointing, you know. I love. I mean, th- one of the good things about this show is we do try different things. So it has introduced me to tons of games I never would have played otherwise. So, like, you know, I want to keep trying the new games and going for the thing I'd never heard of this before. So I'm always still excited to try the new games. But it kind it kind of awful when, like, right away you can tell it's a stinker. Like on first play, I was like, oh no,
1: <laughs> like, <What>? oh no. <laughs> There are games that start that way too when they get better and they draw you in and get involving this just doesn't ever get any better it just gets uh, the difficulty ramps up but it's the same thing over and over there's no There's no reward for for you doing well other than having to to see the same stuff you saw before. And I feel
0: bad about that because we've now just been like a half an hour just telling people it's a crappy game and they shouldn't go play it. And honestly, it is a crappy game and you shouldn't go play it. It's disappointing. But maybe there's people out there, we had at least one person recommend it and maybe they weren't punking us. Like maybe somebody does really love this game or see some value in it or can you know write to us and tell us why they think it's awesome. Because I'd love to know. Like I, I honestly can't, it's pretty rare we play a game that I think like, Every aspect of it is bad. But here, I don't like the sprites. I don't like the gameplay. I don't like the, the plot. I don't like the sound. I don't like the music that's playing. I don't like the control scheme. Like, there's nothing in this game I enjoy. Nothing. And we had to have it for two weeks. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I don't... I'm not, I'm not sorry for having had the experience of, of playing a new game. I just... This is one that I, I feel like my time was wasted and we could have played something better. You know? And we so will, won't, we? Next week. won't <laughs> we? We certainly will. And that's, awesome. a, yes. And, and we can use this to, to scrub our brains from, from scrub whatever my was. brain, Mike,
0: scrub <laughs> it, scrub it with a new game. Here you go.
1: So don't play Vegas
0: battle. That's what we say. Put that on the flyer. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to no at Monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links, plus the show notes, are available at Monsterfeet.com. And like all Monsterfeet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.
1: He is called Bega, Last of the Earth Warriors. <laughs>
0: Vega alone must face the alien Varga, who has cut a path of destruction across the continents. Catch me, warrior. Catch me. Catch me, warrior. Catch me. Catch me, warrior. Catch me. Catch me. warrior! Catch me. Catch me. Warrior.
1: Catch me. Catch me. Catch me. Catch me.
0: Catch me. Catch me.